Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. My name is Peter Clow. I am the discipleship pastor here at Emmanuel. And so it's a pleasure to be able to come and and, uh, be with you here this morning and to, to speak God's word. So the next three weeks or so, two or three weeks, we're going to dive into the idea of time with God. Time with God. So this goes along with the Good Roots series that Pastor has been, uh, actually he started a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how uh, since he talked the series before about bitter roots and about how we need to you know, pull those out of our lives, now he was going into Good Roots. How do we develop those strong, deep, good roots? And you cannot have good roots if you do not have time with God. And specifically, as we'll talk about prayer, uh, we're going to discuss three statements uh, this morning about prayer or time with God, and then we'll talk next week and the week after about three different components of prayer that, that should be involved with our prayer time. And so I don't want you to, you know, tune out. Maybe you've been a Christian for a little while. Uh, let me tell you this. Prayer or time with God is vastly underestimated. And outward works and doing all this kind of busyness is overestimated. Or I could put it this way. Um, the outward life, how we look to others and how we look at church is very overestimated. But the inner life what you actually do when no one's looking and the time that you have filling up with God and his faith and his strength in your life is vastly underestimated. And so I, want you, I encourage you to listen. Um, maybe you're here this morning and I, I know many are struggling, many are dealing with battles, um, some may be doing very well, but regardless, I think we'd all like to have peace in the midst of a storm. I think we all like to have daily strength to go about our day and to be victorious over sin and, and to be the light at our workplace and at our school uh, or at home. And we all desire that, I believe. And so what I'm going to talk about when I'm talking about time with God is I'm talking about those daily moments that we have with God. I'm going to talk about daily, the daily discipline of every day spending time with God. And I really believe the, the truths that we'll present can truly transform a dry, irrelevant, lifeless prayer life to one that is vibrant, alive, and relevant in your life. If we'll take the truth of the Word of God and apply it. Um, nothing we'll talk about is really going to be new um, because, of course, it's coming from the Bible. Um, but it may be presented in a different way, and hopefully it will be a help to you. Um, when we go into the three components of prayer, you know, it's not something I invented. It's from the Bible, um, and 
Christians for uh, centuries have been, you know, encouraging that you use these forms of uh, prayer when you pray, and and it comes, you know, from the, of course, the the prayer that God gives us, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. So let's get into it. Time with God. Let that sink in for a minute. Truth and idea that you and I can have time with God. Does that blow anybody else's mind? The fact that you can literally spend time with the God of the universe. I think some of us have lost the wonder of it and the awe of being able to talk to God and have a conversation with God. And some may be here this morning that maybe you've never had that experience. Maybe it always feels like you're praying to yourself or, you know, or um, you're just meditating, which is totally different from spending time with God in prayer. Think about it. This God, this God who is the creator of all, the sustainer of all, above all, over all, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, wants to spend time with you. This God wants to spend time with us. And we can have the honor of being in the presence of God. Now, let me say this. The devil doesn't want you to spend time with God. The devil's whole objective is to keep you from spending time with God. The world's objective, to be honest with you, is to keep you from spending time with God. This is probably one of the most distracted societies that we have today. Do you know there's, there's, there's groups of people, their sole job is to create technology that distracts you. You know, when they create apps, what, what do you think is the most successful apps they create? It's the ones that people get addicted to the most. You know, they say, I saw a survey from last year that... Um, Adults check their phone at least on the average of 260 times a day. I'm not surprised. I mean, I do it. I'm not against technology. I use it. I like it, social media. But I'm just trying to make the point is there's a lot of distractions to keep you from spending time with God. There's so many today. Not only phones and and technology, uh, Netflix, Disney+, Plus, all those different ones you may watch, YouTube, TikTok, there's so many distractions to keep us from spending time with God. And those, the, the, the distractions them, themselves aren't bad. It's just what it's distracting you from. It's distracting us from something that we could have in our lives that is so powerful and so peaceful and gives us such direction, but yet some of us have not experienced that, or at least to the level of what we would like. Um, to be honest, um, you know, I've, I've had those times in my life, and I still do at times, where maybe I didn't have a uh, time alone with God. Maybe I try to fit it in when I can. Um, there were times where, for me, um, especially when I was younger, I just couldn't stay focused to spend time with God. My mind would be all over the place, and it was difficult to stay focused and keep my mind on Him. Um, there are other times where I prayed and I had no idea what I said afterwards, and it was kind of irrelevant, lifeless, dead. Uh, even as a Christian, it can become lifeless and impersonal um, and directionless in our lives. Does this sound like your prayer life? Is your prayer life lacking? 
Or maybe you say, I'm, I'm better than most. My prayer life's pretty good. I have a time, I spend time with God, and it's exciting, but would you like to, to improve it? Would you like to um, help it to be filled with more passion and, and spirit-led in your life? Then uh, I think we're at a good place. And I have to be honest, I, I, there's no other way that I find peace during challenging times in my life than spending time with God and prayer with God. There's, there's, there's no way I can make it through my day and maintain a testimony for Christ at work if I don't have my time with God in the mornings because that empowers me and that strengthens me. Um, I need time with God. Can you say that this morning? If you said in your life, are, are you at a point where you realize, I need time with God? Maybe you're not yet. Hopefully soon you'll realize the need and the necessity to spend time with God. I couldn't tell you how many times I've sat in my, my sun porch area of my house, because that's kind of my spot in the morning, at the table with my journal and my Bible, and have gained strength and wisdom from God in those early morning hours, or even late at night. Um, it's indispensable for a believer in Christ. My prayer time in the morning centers me, stabilizes me, comforts me, convicts me, directs me in my life. And it's not because it's me. This is available to everyone who will believe and will trust in Christ and call upon God. Um, familiar with Charles Stanley, he's served as senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia for 51 years, long time. His daughter, Becky Stanley, says of her father, Charles, nothing has influenced me more than observing his daily habit of meeting with God behind closed doors, on his knees, Bible open, and with little regard to time. What, what better legacy to leave your kids than if anything, they know that mom or dad communes with God, and has this close relationship with God. And this is something we can have. Luke 18.1 tells us that men ought always to pray, ought always to pray and not to lose heart or to faint. If you want to learn how to not faint when the troubles come and not to lose heart and not to get discouraged, we have to learn to always pray. What is prayer? Well, prayer the intimate dialogue. I like this definition. This is from Charles Stanley himself. Prayer is an intimate dialogue with the one who cares about you most. Prayer, we could say, is a conversation with God, talking to him and him talking to us. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, who was another um, preacher in the, the late 1800s, says, this true prayer is an approach of the soul by the Spirit of God to the throne of God. It is a spiritual transaction with the Creator of heaven and earth. Time with God. Hope you see its importance. Hope you see its necessity. Uh, that was just an introduction. So, one of the greatest examples we can give is Jesus, Right? Everyone knows Jesus, he was God in the flesh, come to earth to show us God, 
And yet we see many times, we see an example here, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Solitary, lonesome, um, where he, he had time to be alone with God, and what did he do? He prayed. And this was, uh, this was the night or the night before this happened, Jesus, great multitudes would come to him, and he was healing them, and he was, he was uh, uh, just casting out demons, and he was healing the sick, and the whole city was gathered unto him, and, and after that long night, he woke up early, before daylight, and he prayed. We see in Matthew 14, 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, when Jesus sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening was come, he was alone there. So, all I can say to this is, wow. If Jesus had to go alone and pray to his God, or to God the Father, how much more do we need to go and pray with our God? I mean, Jesus, he was, he, he was the one who submitted perfectly to the Holy Spirit in his life. He was, he was sinless. He was, he was God the Son, the Son of God, yes, clothed in human flesh, and yet Him as our example, walking this earth, He needed consistently to go alone and for a while sit there with God and have this conversation and to gain strength. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how we think sometimes we can even go about our day without first having a conversation with our God. It's that important. No, let me, let, me, let me specify. It's that important for the Christian life. You can go about your business. You can do your things in the world. You can, you can even be successful at what you do at your job or at school. But there's a difference between being successful in the world like that versus being a successful, consistent disciple of Christ. And in order to be a successful consistent disciple of Christ, we have to have a consistent time with God. I think we all would agree, if you're a Christian, that you want to be a successful disciple of Christ. The, the, the dividing line, I guess, is who wants to put in the discipline every day in order to attain that? Because it is a spiritual discipline. And we're talking about good roots and you're not going to have deep roots. You can come to church, and you can serve, and you can be involved, but without your everyday uh, uh, putting down your roots into your relationship with God, the tree's going to fall over because roots aren't deep. So Jesus, what, what an example. Um, and you may look at Jesus and say, well, he had time to go have time alone with God. He didn't have kids, you know. No, true, he didn't have kids, but he did have disciples and everyone else following him, multitudes. You know, I remember when <clears throat> I had my third child, <clears throat> excuse me, about 10 years ago, uh, when Kaylin was born, I took a couple weeks off from work and uh, I wanted to be home with the baby and, you know, at the, at the same time when she was born, I already had a six-year-old boy and a three-year-old boy, son. Um, so I had three of them home, and I figured I'd stay home, help out. So after the first week, which, you know, getting used to the, 
the new baby again. Um, the second week, I was like, you know what? I, I want to dedicate this last week. I want to I wake up early, and I want to spend time with God. And so I determined to do that. So the first the Monday morning of that next week, I got up early. Uh, at the time, it was early. I got up around 5 or so. And I'm like, I'm going to go go to my table. I'm going to spend time with God. So I got my journal out, my Bible. At that time, when I used to drink coffee, I had my coffee. And I sat down, took a deep breath. <sighs> I'm going to have some time alone with God. And the next minute, I hear my three-year-old, Caleb, sliding down the stairs. And so I was like, forget it. I can never win. Um, but he ended up spending time with God with me <laughs> at the moment. So I know we all, we're busy. Jesus was too, but he made time with God. Um, I think it's important for us all to find a place and a time to spend God with God each day. Do you have a place, a place, a space that you built out that this is where I spend time with God every day, every morning? It's important. If you want to minimize anxiety in your life, if you want to minimize depression in your life, if you want to minimize self-righteousness, in your life, if you want to minimize self-dependency in your life to be dependent upon God, then this is critical in our lives. So by the end of this series, I want us, number one, to see the need to spend time with God daily. I want us to see how to spend time with God daily. And I want us to start to develop a daily discipline of time with God, or if you already do, to continue to spend time with God, but maybe with greater fervency and desire. So throughout the study, I'm going to have different quotes um, from some, some people that, I've, uh, that I value, as well as that have written different books on prayer that I thought have been really good, um, from Charles Spurgeon to Charles Stanley, Francis Chan, Dan Ortland, Tim Keller, and others. So you'll hear different quotes. I hope it will add to the value of this. Um, but let me also give, give another uh, caveat. Though we're going to discuss having a set time with God daily, a, the discipline of having a set time with God daily, the ultimate goal for prayer or for time with God is to have it continuous throughout our day, spontaneous, continuous. Obviously, that's the goal. As, as Brother Lawrence, who wrote this book called uh, the, Presence, the Practicing the Presence of God, you know, he coined the phrase, practicing the presence of God. So it's this, this, this prayer time that we're talking about, this daily discipline. It's not reserved just to have one time in your life where you spend time, or one time during the day where you spend time with God. It's a continuing conversation throughout the day. Um, Henry Nguyen describes Brother Lawrence's deep conviction that prayer is not saying prayers, but a way of living, in which we all do, in which all we do becomes prayer. We are called not just to say prayers, but to live a prayerful life. So a prayerful life is a life in which all we do, eating and drinking, working and resting, playing and praying, is done to the glory of God and God alone. But until you develop a daily discipline of time with God, which is biblical, you'll never have a continuing conversation with God. You're never going to have that where you're, where you're practicing the presence of God throughout the day and, 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 and live in that continuous praying without ceasing. It must start with taking time to spend time with God. So there are several statements I want to make about prayer, which I know I already said a lot about it, uh, and about time with God before we jump to the categories. So number one, 
Time with God is a privilege. Time with God is a privilege. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean a few things, but first, John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, which means the privilege or the authority to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. Before you can have time with God, a really a valuable, effective conversation and prayer time with God, you must first have a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Only those who have received Jesus Christ personally can have this, this uh, intimate prayer time with God, spirit-filled, relevant time with God. Uh, Isaiah 59.2 tells us, but your iniquities or your sin have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. In other words, our sin is like a wall between us and God. And because of that sin, it says he will not hear us. Does he, is he God? Can he physically hear us? Yes. But it's not, it's not a response like to a child of God. And so sin... Uh, has separated us from God. You can certainly attempt to talk with God, but what God is looking at first is the heart that sees this need for a Savior. So you can have someone who's very religious but has never trusted Jesus as their Savior, uh, whether because they think they can be good enough or go to church or take communion or whatever and try to talk to God, but God is not responding to them in the same manner as someone who has faith in Jesus Christ for their salvation. So if you remember in the Bible, Cornelius, there's a man, Cornelius, who used to pray daily to God. And God heard physically, but he really didn't respond until his heart was ready to receive Peter to come to him to bring the gospel. Because that's his need. And so you may be trying to talk to God and, and saying prayers to God, but yet without a personal relationship with God, it's lifeless. It's dead. Your spirit is not alive. So there's no spiritual connection to God. You are, actually, you are at odds with God. He is resisting you because you're trusting in something else besides Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and to save you and to give your home in heaven. 1 Corinthians 2.14 echoes that. It says, but the natural man does not receive the things of God. Natural man is just the normal fleshly, non-regenerated or non-saved individual, someone who's born into this earth as a human. It's, it's natural mind, doesn't, can't receive, can't understand the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So I want to ask you, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? I'm not talking about being good or or coming to church, or growing up in a family that's saved? Have you trusted Jesus Christ personally for your, to be your Savior and God and to have a relationship with you? So I want to give you a few verses just so we understand. It's a privilege. And under, uh, in other words, us who have trusted Jesus Christ, we have the privilege, we have the right, we have the authority to come to God and to have his ear because of Jesus Christ. Think about that. 
We have the right and the authority to come to God before his throne and he will hear us and respond because of Jesus Christ. That's the privilege we have. But if you don't have that personal relationship with Christ, you don't have the privilege. What you do have the privilege of is where it says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have the privilege of calling out and receiving his gift of salvation. But first, we're all sinners in a need of a Savior. Uh, we're all sinners in a need of a Savior. Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you realize you're a sinner here this morning? What I mean by sinner is, is not that you know, you're just this terrible human being that have, has murdered someone, but it could be something as small as you had a thought that was impure. You, you had one time where you were angry. I mean, even if it was only one time you were ever angry at somebody, you're a sinner. One time you ever lied, according to the Bible, you're a sinner. If, you, if you've broken the law in one point, you've committed them all. And so it's not a matter of, um, you know, what's, what's the worst thing I've done. It's if you've done anything that's contrary to the character in God's word, then you are a sinner. And if you're a sinner, it tells us in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The payment of sin is death, and this just isn't physical death, but it's spiritual death, which is eternal separation from God. So if you're a sinner, you've done one thing ever wrong in your life, you have been eternally separated from God, and there's this wall between you and God because of sin. But of course, it doesn't stop there because God loves us. Romans 6, the rest of Romans 6.23 says, But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's given us this gift to obtain eternal life, to have our sins forgiven. In Romans 5.8 it tells us, Even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 2.24 tells us, Who his own self bear our, body, uh, bear our sin in his own body on the tree. So that cross symbolizes Jesus taking that sin, that wall between us and God, and, and dying with our sin and was buried, but he showed himself victorious by rising again. And because of that, we can have him now as our personal Savior and have a relationship with God. How? If we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, Jesus is Lord, God in the flesh, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe that this morning, that Jesus died for you, all you have to do is call out to him, receive him, trust him. And then that begins, that can begin your time with God. Because it is a privilege. And so if you've never done that, I want to encourage you this morning, we'll give you another opportunity later to trust Jesus as your personal Savior so that you can have a relationship with him and if, but if you're a believer, I want to encourage you, remember, remember what Christ has done. Remember that moment of when you trusted Jesus and your spirit became alive and, and now you were connected to God through Jesus Christ. And remember that it's a privilege. It's a privilege for us to be able to go to God and, and return to your first love. Then God becomes our Father and we can pray as it says in Matthew 6, our Father in heaven. Because that's when the gates open up. That's when the wall is broken down. That's when 
the, the relationship now begins is when we have him and trust him as our God and we become his child. So time with God is a privilege, but also time with God should be thoughtful. Time with God should be thoughtful. So it tells us in John 14, 12 through 14, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do will he do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So I knew this guy once who, he felt like um, every time he prayed, like if he said in Jesus' name that it was going to happen. Like as long as he said in Jesus' name, anything he prayed was going to happen. So this isn't the intent of the verse. It's not just, okay, you know, God, I, I want that, you know, sports car in Jesus' name. And now he's going to bring it to me. You know, that's not what it means. Name, in the, someone's name, and especially in the Bible, when it comes to God, is indicative of his character, of his reputation. To pray in Jesus' name means to pray for his glory, asking for whatever he wants or desires. So it's not about just praying what you want and just tagging in Jesus' name at the end of it, because that's not uh, what that's about. In actuality, it's about really us in submission to God right? It's, you know, God, I, I just pray that uh, you would heal this person, and I pray in Jesus' name, and it's really, it's, yes, according to your character and reputation, and that you're able to, Lord, but it's also, I'm submitting myself that um, whatever you desire, God, whatever is part of your will. And so it's praying according to his character, so when we're praying, spending time with God, it is, it is good to come to God thoughtfully. And what I mean by that is we come to him understanding who he is, right? His character, his reputation, you know, and his name, and how we should approach him. So as we get into later on, probably next week, into the three categories or forms of prayer that are in our prayer, um, some things to think about as we go into our time with God is do we know who we're speaking to and what he has done for you? So I don't know, maybe knowledge-wise we know, but do we remember every time we come to God, understanding who this God is that we're talking to, and we sang a song, The Great I Am, right? Who this God we're talking to, and what, for me, um, Tim, Tim Keller, if you're familiar with him, he's an American pastor, theologian, and Christian apologist. He calls this evocation, it's bringing a recalling to one's mind and says this, there is almost universal agreement that prayer should be started by thinking over who it is that you will be addressing, what he has done to give you access to himself, how you stand related to him, and the truly breathtaking fact that through his word and spirit, the Lord Jesus is building a friendship with you. So do we know who we're speaking to when we Go to God in prayer. So Isaiah, I want to read from Isaiah 6, 1 through 5. I don't have it up on the screen, but I'll read it to you. This is Isaiah, who is being directed by God, and he's being called by God. And it says this, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, 
This is his vision. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So make no mistake, this is the God who we come before when we pray. And I'll... um, Maybe we have an idea of God in a different light. Uh, Revelation echoes this. If you read Revelation chapter 1, eyes of fire, white hair, sitting on a throne. This is God, who we come before in prayer in our time with God. Think about that. We're walking on holy ground as we come before him in prayer. Now here's another perspective of God coming before his throne. As believers, Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So here's another aspect of approaching the throne. He says, now as believers, that God who is holy, high and lifted up, angels flying around him, worshiping him, that same God, he says, we can come boldly now, confidently to his throne and obtain help and grace and mercy. You know why? Because we're walking up to the throne with Jesus. <laughs> right? Not walking on our own. Walking up to the throne with Jesus. And so we as believers have, as someone said, the amazing throne of grace that God calls believers to be privileged to come before. Our fathers be regarded as a king, and in prayer we come not only to our Father's feet, but also to the throne of the great monarch of the universe. The mercy seat is a throne, and we must not forget this. So we see the balance. God, holy, high and lifted up, righteous. We, we tread on holy ground as we come before him. But then we see in Hebrews, yes, but we also can come boldly and confidently because of Jesus and because he's in us. And by his spirit, we can obtain grace and mercy and now we see in John 15, 15, he says, No longer do I call you servant, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Jesus says, You're my friends, not just my servant. For all things that I've heard from my Father, I have made known unto you. And so we see another layer of this approaching the throne of God is not only his holiness and, and the boldness and the... And the um, the, the confidence we can come to the throne of grace, but also that we have this friend named Jesus. And so we have this closeness and this relationship. And if you see the layers as you dig down and the relationship we have with Christ and the, the accessibility and um, the guy I mentioned earlier, Dane Ortland, he said this, the point in saying that Jesus is lowly, when he tells us in his word, I am meek and lowly, is that he is accessible. For all his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness, no one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. So we see he's approachable because of Jesus Christ. 
Not only is it a privilege, we should come to him with this thoughtfulness, understanding who God is and who we're approaching and what he has done for us. Another thought is coming to God. Have we ever thought about coming to God and first coming to him in silence? Coming to him in silence and approaching him with this reverence, but also this love and this boldness in Christ. John 14, 14 says this, If you ask anything in my name, I would do it. So secondly, that's actually not the right verse, hold on. There it is, 1 John 5, 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. So we talked about asking in his name, but secondly, asking according to his will. Secondly, we need to make sure we pray according to God's will and be willing to surrender to his will. So we're talking about our time as God should be thoughtful. So that means there has to be this element of understanding the will of God. And in essence, knowing God's word, John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done. To... Yes, you can, you can pray without knowing word, but you can't pray very good without knowing God's word because we need to know God's will. In order to know if we're praying according to God's will, of course, we must know the word of God and what his will is. And there's also those moments where we don't necessarily, it's not revealed what his will is. It could be a personal matter we're praying about. And so therefore we pray not only do we, we do end our prayers in Jesus' name because he is the one that we are praying through, but we also pray, God, according to your will, because I don't know what your will is, and in fact, I'd rather have your will because if I get what I want, it's probably going to be a mess. It's not going to work out so good, and plus, God has a better perspective than me and you, right? God sees past, present, and future all at once. God sees what's good for you and what's not. And so we pray according to his will because sometimes we just, it's not spelled out in the word of God, but we want what he wants. So we submit to that. And it may not be something that we, um, something that we expect. You know, uh, someone once said, you know, some of us approach prayer and time with God like a vending machine, right? Sometimes you go to a vending machine and you're trying to get those pretzels or whatever and you, you hit the button and it's not coming out. So you just keep on hitting the button, hoping the thing will fall out, and it's not falling out. Then you end up shaking the thing and kicking it, trying to get what you want. Many times we approach, we approach God like that. God, I want this. I want this. Give me this. But God's saying, I'm not ready to give you that. Or maybe that's not good for you, so I'm not going to give you that. And we kick and scream and we walk away, and we don't persist or we don't surrender to God's will is maybe it's not his will at that time. 
So, but all the other things that are spelled out in the Bible and strengthens our prayer time because it reveals God's will. So the, the message here is, when it comes to being thoughtful in prayer, is that if, if you're trying to talk to God and you're praying with God, but you don't have a regular, consistent time in His Word, then you, you're not going to be uh, necessarily praying according to His will. You're not going to be praying as effectively as you could. So there needs to be a daily time also in the Word of God, which is another discipline, but it certainly ties right into prayer because... Uh, we need to know what God's will is. Listen, when I read in the Bible that in 1 John that if I confess my, my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, guess what? When I mess up and I fall and I give in to sin, I can go to God in prayer and I can say, God, I claim 1 John 1, 9 in my life. You said if I confess, you will forgive me and cleanse me. So I claim your forgiveness and cleansing and I can go forward in faith knowing that he has done that. But if I didn't know that verse, if I didn't know his will, I could still be living in that sin and with guilt in my life. And so it's important the Word of God is coupled, obviously, with prayer. It doesn't have to be while you're praying. You know, there, there are some, some benefits to having the Bible there, and, and I'll go into that a little more with the components, but when I'm, when I'm uh, trying to, um, not trying, but I'm, I'm thinking of things that I can thank God for and praise Him for, sometimes I'll read a chapter of Psalms and I'll I read it right before, and, and I'll, I'll meditate on it, and then I'll, God will give me the things that I can praise Him for straight from His Word. Or same thing with, my, with wisdom I'm seeking or needs that I have. I'll go to Proverbs, and I'll read a chapter of Proverbs, and I'll sit there, and I'll look at it, and I'll say, God, what wisdom do I need? And I'll pray straight from His Word. But in this instance, it's not necessarily doing that, though that's a good practice. It's just knowing being in God's Word, digging into God's Word, so that you can pray effectively in our lives. Why do some of our prayers never get answered? Because we're praying contrary to God's will, in some cases. We're praying, God, give me this, but we're not considering what does God want. We're not considering what is God's character and His reputation and His plan. It's more of, I want that. And you push the vending machine button. And it's not coming out. And we wonder, well, it must be failing in my prayer. It could be that we're not praying thoughtfully. We're not approaching God for who He is and what He's done for us in our lives. And understanding the purpose of prayer isn't, isn't just to get what we want. The purpose of prayer is for us to conform to His image. The purpose of prayer is for us to learn to surrender to what God wants in our lives. It's not to just to get what we want. And I think that's a hard pill sometimes for us to swallow. It's not about us, really. And so you may say, what's the use of praying? God's going to do whatever He wants. No. He is moved by the... His heart is moved and affections are moved by our prayers and by our seeking Him. But it has to be done in line and aligned with God's will and His purpose for our lives. And again, it's also understanding He knows all. You know, He knows what we need a lot better than we do. And so we should be very careful to demand, God, give me this. God said, God knows it's not good for you. Um, next slide. Matthew 6, 7, and 8 says, you, when you pray, and this is part of the Lord's Prayer, 
When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. In other words, don't get caught up. When I say pray, your prayer time, our time with God should be thoughtful. Don't caught up just saying the same words you always say. You know, I, I found myself doing that one day. I was just praying like something by rote, and I'm like, what am I even praying? I don't, like, there's no sincerity behind it. So being thoughtful is, yes, choosing our, our, our thoughts and, and what we want to say to God and understanding who He is, and don't be over-analytical about it. But it's just the, in this case, you know, He's saying don't just, you know, use repetitive words and thinking if I say, you know, uh, dear Jesus, you know, 20 times, that that's going to mean more than, you know, saying, saying, saying something 20 times, you're just trying to, you know, you're trying to build up your, your emotion and your belief in it. He says, don't do that. Pray in faith. Just speak to God. You don't need to use vain repetitions. We just need to seek God in faith and according to his will. And he caps it off with this, Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask them. As I mentioned earlier, God knows a lot better than we do. In fact, he knows uh, what we need before we even ask. And then lastly, time with God should be spirit-led. So let's, let's balance this a little bit, right? Time with God is a privilege, of course. It's got to come first. You have to have a relationship with God through faith in Christ. And uh, us as Christians, really, uh, we, don't, we don't take advantage of that privilege as much, I think, as we should and as we can. Second of all, it should be thoughtful, right? We should be thoughtful when we come to God. Um, I think it's, it's good to dwell on who this God is that we're speaking to and why we're able to access Him and access Him. But also, it should be spirit-led. It shouldn't be dry, irrelevant, religious when we're coming to God in prayer, it should be spiritual-led. It's important, as I said in the last verse, for our time with God, I pray not to be a checklist or vain repetitions. It shouldn't be just, you know, let me make my list of what I want from God um, and then just list all the things without any interaction from God or the Spirit of God. But it's important we ask the Holy Spirit to be involved in our prayer time. I regularly ask now, God, Holy Spirit, be involved with this time with you, uh, remind me of the things that I need to pray for. Bring to my memory those things that I need to, whether it's ask for forgiveness for or praise God for. And involve him within your prayer life. It says in Romans 8, 26 and 27, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So we got this blessing, this gift of the Holy Spirit who, who uh, translates or communicates to us God's will and communicates back to God uh, for us what we want to say to him. And the Spirit of God is kind of like that receiver, that, that antenna that, that transmits between us and God. He, he brings to us the spiritual, and He brings to God us from the physical. 
And so our prayer should involve God's Spirit. It should involve the Holy Spirit even making intercession, which means to plead on the behalf of another person. The Holy Spirit can plead on our behalf, so when we're, when we're distraught at times or, or we're just, uh, we can't think of the words to say, God, uh, the Holy Spirit translates our heart to God and says, this is what he's trying to say. This is, this is, this is in his life. And also we see here that he, he, uh, he makes intercession according to the will of God. So I think there's even sometimes where we're praying, we want this, and the Holy Spirit is translating to God, you know, do according to your will, God. Don't listen to him. <laughs> because sometimes we don't know what we want. God knows our heart, of course, and the Spirit um, is involved. But uh, Augustus Strong, who was a uh, Baptist minister and theologian during the 1920th centuries, he said this, There are sacred hours of the soul in which we enter the presence chamber of the Most High and gain some view of the infinite beauty of holiness, the infinite sacrifice of Christ, the infinite value of the soul, the infinite sorrow of banishment from God, and then we long with a mighty longing that salvation might come from God to the lost and the perishing. And in those deepest moments, speech fails, yet the Spirit prays. Yet the Spirit prays. So there's many moments where speech will fail, and yet we have the gift of the Holy Spirit who, who intercesses for us, who searches the hearts, a God who searches our hearts and knows the Spirit of God within us, and we have this communication through there. Ephesians 6.18 tells us, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We are to involve, again, the Holy Spirit in our prayer time, um, and I'll, I'll end this, port, this section with one of the quotes that I think is valuable to this uh, study by Charles Spurgeon. He says, prayer is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. God is a spirit unseen of mortal eye and only to perceive, be perceived by the inner man. Our spirit within us, begotten by the Holy Ghost, regeneration, discerns the great spirit, communes with him, presents to him its requests, and receives from him answers of peace. True prayer is spiritual business from beginning to end, and its aim and its object, and not with man, but to reach God himself. To qualify for such prayer, the work of the Holy Ghost himself is needed. So in other words, you and I cannot really pray or spend time with God without the presence and the involvement of the Holy Spirit in our lives in our prayers. So I'll end on this note with a challenge. Make time for time with God. Listen, don't tell me you don't have time to have time with God. Because you know what you have time for? What you consider important. Right? Right? So it all comes down to this. I, I brought all that forth so we can sense our need, kind of give us some, some thoughts as we approach God to be thoughtful, to be spirit-led. But it really comes down to this as we begin this series is, will you prioritize time with God? Again, don't tell me you're too busy. 
that that is a lie because you're, you have time for what you feel is important. And if, if you were, uh, had a real medical need and you had to go to the hospital, guess what? You would go to the hospital, especially if you had no choice. So we need to start thinking that we have no spiritual life, we have no spiritual peace, we have no uh, direction from God, we're wandering uh, uh, here and there with no more direction and peace and guidance than the world without spending time with God, without communicating with God. Without, and I'm not just saying, you know, praying before you eat, right? Or praying, before, you know, saying a five-minute prayer before you go to bed. I'm saying make a dedicated attempt, intentional attempt, to prioritize time with God. I suggest the morning time because it's good to spend time with God before you go about your day. Maybe you're more of a night person and that's more beneficial. I guess that's your own, you know, however your personality is. But make a time, set a time, set a place that you will spend time with God every day, whether it's five minutes, whether it's ten minutes, to spend time and talk with God and to give Him all your troubles and to share with Him what's going on in your life. Yes, He knows, but He wants to, wants to hear and it's good for you. you know, ask for wisdom. Ask for strength. We'll go into some areas next week. Uh, there's a story of a man who, who heard a preacher once talk about making time for God and that you, bet, you, know, you need to make it a priority. And he talked to him after the service and he said, you know, I, just, I, don't, I do this for a living. I just, I'm too busy. I don't have time to be with God. And the preacher said, well, again, it's not, it's not that you don't have time. It's you get to make time. And so he went back and he was kind of frustrated and mad but within a couple of weeks, he said, well, I'm going I'm to start doing that. So he, he got into it, and he, he ended up buying a nice chair that he stuck in this part of his house, and that was like his prayer chair, and he sit there. He started, began to sit there every day and to talk with God and spend time with God um, until one day he felt a calling to, to ministry, and he, so he, he started serving God in a specific ministry, and then he continued to spend time with God, and then God called him full-time to quit his job, and and, and to serve God in a deeper way. And then as he continued, years went by. He, every day he would go in that seat and he'd spend time with God and, and have that prayer. And then one day he, he found out he had cancer. And, and so through that struggle and through that uh, you know, treatment and everything he went through, he continued to spend time with God in that chair until he had to go in the hospital because he's, he was... His health was failing, and he, he had no other choice, and he was going to pass soon, but he always went back to that time with God, and he actually had his family bring that chair into the hospital, and that was like his, his kind of prioritizing and his, his commitment and his intentionality of time with God. And so I say that because we need to prioritize it. If we don't prioritize, it's going to fall through the cracks. So would you, believer... Would you commit to making time with God every day? Again, it's one foot in front of the other. It's a discipline. It, it, can, be, it can be a struggle. It can be difficult. But it's worth it to keep us close and walking in His light and in His way. And if you're here uh, this morning, as the musicians come on up, if you're here this morning and maybe you don't have that relationship with God, maybe you're, uh, it just seems like in the morning you get up and you try to talk to God, but 
it's just not working out for you because maybe you've never come to God with a heart of repentance, with a belief that he died for you, for your sin, and you've never trusted him to be your God and Savior. You can make that decision this morning, and you can begin that time with God by first having a relationship with God. Hey, all thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources, and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.